Hello everyone, it's Lauren at Up and Out Thrift. How are we all doing today? How are sales for you this week starting on Monday? Did you guys have a successful Monday? Let me know over on my Instagram at Lauren Lazelle. I like to post polls and questionnaires and little questions about what I should do next on the podcast. And let's go ahead and start this podcast off by telling you guys a little bit about how my week's been going, how my reselling business is, what I've been doing to maintain it, and how sales are going in general. Everything's going very smoothly. My sales are not 100% there yet. I'm really shooting for 20 listing, 20 sold, and I'm slowly but surely getting there. I am listing 20 a day, and I have been listing 20 a day for about a month now and sales have taken a big increase for me. I'm still not quite at the 20 listed, 20 sold a day quota I'm trying to meet right now. I did uh, almost meet 400 listings. I met, let's see, 398. <laughs> I met 398 listings on eBay today, which is a huge accomplishment for me. And shows me, you know, like I've been putting in the work. I started my eBay account like all over again from zero just so I could get my inventory in line and everything. If you want to learn more about how I took everything down from my reselling platforms and kind of restarted, you might want to go ahead and check out the How to Get a Solid Inventory System podcast. In the previous podcast that I put out before, I explain in detail how my inventory system got messed up and how I basically had no inventory system to begin with and how that really messed me up in the future and how I paid for it. And if you're curious about that, I highly recommend going to check that out and also learning a thing or two from my mistakes. As far as sales being good, they've been consistent. I will say that I didn't sell anything Sunday or Monday. It was a really slow weekend for me. Even before I kind of restarted and did the whole thing, I would have a lot of sales on the weekends and it was just a really barren weekend. Maybe one or two things sold Saturday and Sunday and Monday, absolutely nothing. But I'm not going to let that discourage me. I went ahead and did 20 new listings and honestly like it's more than 20 listings right now because right now I'm going through Vendu. All my listings are on Vendu pretty much and in the morning I do cross listing. So I do cross listing for about an hour and then right afterwards I do 20 brand new listings on eBay. So I do 20 and then plus whatever's getting cross listed onto eBay. So honestly, probably around 30 items, 30 to 40 items, but always minimum 20 items because I'm going to be putting out 20 new items, brand new items that aren't cross-listed that haven't been on any other platform straight to eBay. I like to make all my listings within eBay just because on eBay there are so many categories, subcategories you can be listing under and they're just really nitpicky so I just like to go ahead and do everything within eBay and import, export all my eBay listings into Vendu and that's just something that really has been helping me and my business out. 
for all of you joining in, listening to the podcast. I just want to say, hey, what's up? How's it going? I hope things are going great for you and your shop. And I want to make an announcement to you guys. I am up to 30 followers on YouTube. And that is a really big accomplishment for me, going from about 15 to 30 in about a week, honestly. And let me tell you what really did it. YouTube Shorts. I have been essentially posting TikToks consistently and I'm just making them 60 seconds. Like I don't go over a minute. That way I can cross post onto Instagram and YouTube Shorts, which I will be taking up the production value on my videos pretty soon, probably in the next two weeks, I would say. You're going to be seeing a lot of really well-produced TikToks. Think first week of March. But right now, I'm just kind of getting a feel for things and getting a few followers on YouTube, which is really cool. I love hanging out with you guys, seeing new people following along, reading all the comments, having a good time. Thank you to everyone who has been checking out my Instagram, sending me DMs. I see you guys. And today we're going to be getting into a question I got on Instagram that was sent to me. I'm not going to call anybody out because they wanted to be anonymous. No problem at all. But they asked me how I clean shoes and how I get them ready to be listed onto eBay. First things first, you have to ask yourself, are you a reseller or are you a shoe cleaner? Are you a reseller or do you perhaps sew your clothes together? Do you rework them? Are they upcycled? What are you doing in your business that will ultimately get you to where you want to be in the next two years, three years, five years into your business? And in order to get there, does that include you taking in these items that need cleaning, that need to be mended or sewed or anything because all that takes time time is precious it's money and if you're investing your time into let's say reworking a jean jacket that you got for next to nothing and you do like a nice quilted pattern on the back and you turn around and resell that for lots of money obviously that's worth your time that's worth your money and your investments So good on you, good for you. But if you're sitting there and you're washing clothes, you're sewing things, you're cleaning shoes, and you're not getting a good return on your investment, I would recommend taking a step back and re-asking yourself, coming back to these questions, and really asking yourself, are you a cleaner? Are you somebody who tailors? Or are you a reseller? Because shoes are one of the most maintenance heavy items you can sell within your reselling business. And I would say the majority of the time, wherever you source your inventory from, the used shoes you're gonna buy have been worn at least one time. Even if they're in pristine condition, they might've been worn just once and you never really can tell Especially if, you know, you're at a flea market or 
you're at a goodwill. Maybe the lighting is too fluorescent. You really can't get a good look at it. I have been burned on many issues before. I have purchased said shoes, taken them home, got home only to find out that the bottom of the shoe was missing, that it's completely unglued, that I can't fix it, or there's no soles in it. One time I bought a pair of combat boots, like military combat boots. They go for a lot of money, especially if you have the right brand. So I ran comps on them. They sold really well, like $80. And I think the real retail price of them was like around Doc Martin kind of prices. So maybe in the $140 to $180 range. But I was able to pick them up for a good price, $10. And I take them home and they're two different boots. <laughs> and you would not know, like in the store, like they looked completely the same. And like, of course when you're out thrifting, like you tend to get overwhelmed, especially when you have like 50 plus items in your cart and you're running comps on everything and there's people running around you and the lights are fluorescent. I don't know, for me personally, it is just a lot to take in. So take a step back when you are purchasing shoes and really look at the condition of them because if anything's wrong with them, if anything's like needs repair, if it's dirty, that's your job as a seller to make sure that these shoes are in fit enough condition for you to actually sell them to someone and that they can get a good life out of them. I would recommend starting off by, if this is your first time ever selling shoes, getting into reselling shoes, to only pick up shoes that are next to new condition. Not in any condition that you have to really clean, if at all, like keep cleaning to the absolute minimum, minimum, because they, they're a mess. Once you get into shoe cleaning, it is a mess. You need one thing after the other. It's, and it's really annoying. And you just don't wanna deal with that. Trust me, stick to what you know. And if you are a shoe cobbler, you're a shoe cleaner, whatever, good for you. You can pick up the grossest shoes and turn them into a million bucks. That's not me, and that's probably not you either, but don't feel discouraged because I'm gonna teach you guys about how I have learned from my mistakes and what I've done in shoe cleaning to help me get these items out the door. So we're gonna start with one of the easiest fixes it doesn't require a lot. You probably have this product within your home and that is Clorox wipes. Now be careful, especially on sneakers or suede or anything. Do not bring these Clorox wipes anywhere near leather or suede. But if it's a pair of sneakers or anything and they're not too dirty, get those Clorox wipes, get a toothbrush and wrap it around the toothbrush and literally just like scrub in between the like rubber parts of the underneath of the shoe just to really detail it. And the sides, I get the sides a lot. Once again, do not get it on the fabric. If you have to clean the fabric, the like tongue of the shoe, the top of the shoe, whatever, I recommend Grandma's Sneaker Cleaner. They are on Amazon, you can get them on Amazon, really cheap. You don't need a lot, you don't need the big bottle. 
especially if this is your first time getting into shoe cleaning. They have like a little tiny bottle. I think it's like an eight ounce size is the one I have. And I featured it on one of my Instagram posts on my selling page at Up and Out Thrift. And I essentially used it all over the shoe, the bottoms of the shoes, the top of the shoes, all over. You could use it on the laces as well. I don't think it says to use it on the laces, but you totally can. It's completely fine. And it is one of those products where you have to use it outside. I did make the mistake of using it inside one time. Horrible, bad experience. It is way worse than nail polish. Like it's, it's really bad for you. So please, please, please use caution, use gloves, go outside and clean your entire sneakers with this spray. Highly recommend for any type of shoe, like easy, easy shoe you're going to do. I was cleaning a pair of Hoka running shoes that looked like they were worn by somebody who ran on a track somewhere where it was like really dusty. So it came off pretty easily. But I would also use this stuff on Vans or any kind of sneaker, Converse I've used them on. They're great. And I will say that you can potentially clean and wash your shoes within your washer. If you have like a bag to put them in, like a mesh bag, I wouldn't do that with really dirty shoes. The shoes I had were absolutely covered in dirt or something. And obviously like I didn't want that in my washer. I only have one washer and one dryer. So that would have been awful. So I did use grandma's sneaker cleaner. This is a lifesaver. Number two, it's going to be something that you probably also have within your household. It's a safety pin. I cannot tell you how many times I have used a safety pin to clean the weirdest little holes on shoes. I have purchased men's dress shoes and they'll have like a wingtip design or something and there's all these like little holes like little pinpricks with on within and on the shoe and you can't really like get the bristle of a toothbrush within it and so I just go ahead and get one of these little safety pins maybe a needle it really doesn't matter I like to use a safety pin just because you can get a better grip on it and you can close it up and it won't prick you in your hand by accident. Yes, that has happened to me. So I just go ahead, get the safety pin and you, you wouldn't think that there's like a lot of like little holes on shoes and there really is. And the devil is in the details, especially when selling shoes on eBay. People want these shoes to last. I mean, you're obviously going on eBay to purchase shoes that are gonna last you and you're there for a reason and you don't want some shoes that are just gonna disintegrate in a couple weeks after you wear them. So these little safety pins really get into the little details you wouldn't necessarily think about. They're also good for little rocks within the bottom of the shoes. I just use them just to pop them right out. No big deal, they're great. Number three, obviously a toothbrush. I mentioned the toothbrush in the previous two things. And I mean, a toothbrush always comes in handy and you can get them at the dollar store. You can get them 
every grocery store you walk into, or you can even get them for free from your dentist. I have a small collection of toothbrushes that I have received from my dentist, and they're free-ish. I mean, it comes with your visit. Number four is also a really common thing that you wouldn't necessarily check in the store, especially if you are trying to go fast because you don't want to be in the thrift store for a long time. And that is the inside sole of the shoe. I have purchased loafers that were in really good condition, but the soles were just like loose. They were totally unglued. And it is the easiest fix in the world if you have a little bottle of super glue. You do not need a huge bottle of super glue at all. Make sure it is like fabric safe because if it is too strong, sometimes it can melt through the fabric. So make sure it's like fabric safe. I think I have a small bottle of low sight glue. I think I'm saying that right. L-O-C-T-I-T-E, low site professional super glue. And it's just like this really small bottle. I haven't had to use this um, super glue bottle a lot, but I have used it for the bottoms of shoes, the soles, just to glue them right back in. They are good as new. And when you do this within the shoe, make sure to leave something heavy on top of your shoes, like inside your shoe. That way you're getting a good adhesion. I think I put like a jar of peanut butter inside the shoes, like maybe a jar of peanut butter and like a can of beans and the other one, just so you can have some weight within the shoe to get that good adhesion. The next products, I will say, please heed my warning and pick up shoes that are in next to new condition. Because once you start getting into the different kinds of materials that shoes are made from, you start having to buy more and more products. And for somebody who's just starting out, you really want to keep costs low and really utilize your time in the best way possible. And I think your time can be spent somewhere else not cleaning shoes. This is a leather brush, suede and nubuck cleaner, any kind of leather polish you can think of is just god awful. It gets everywhere, it hits all over your hands and you have to store them. You have to close the little tin I mean, these tins are just like so malleable. You could just pop it off and try and pop it back on. And they're all like warped because you tried so hard to pull the tops off. It's awful. And leather's really, really finicky. I picked up a pair of Lucky Brand ankle boots. Just a women's gray ankle boot. Nothing too special. But I picked them up because they had like literally one drop of water on them. I think it was water. It was either water or like olive oil or something. I'm not entirely sure. But other than this one stain on them, 
I was like, I have to pick these up because I was able to get them for a really low price. I can't remember how much I picked them up for. Maybe like five or eight dollars, like something really good. And I run, I ran a comps on it and they were selling around the range of like 35 to 45. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to take these home and clean them and make my money back. And that way I'll have the cleaner and it'll be good. And I took them home and I got the suede and nubuck leather cleaner or whatever. And it never came out. And I washed it. I put the uh, stuff on it about two, five times. I can't really remember, but I put it on there a couple times at least. And it never came out. And I ended up just redonating those back to Goodwill because, I mean, I didn't want to deal with those. I also thought to myself, hey, maybe I should start flipping furniture on the side, even though I'm horrible at DIYs. And I, so I picked up this free bison leather couch. Oh my gosh. I got it for free on Facebook Marketplace and it had cat pee on it. And I was like, okay, like cat pee can't be that hard to get out of a bison leather couch. And the couch did retail for about $3,000. And it was like a small, like kind of like love seat couch. And I was like, okay, I'm going to clean this. It'll be whatever. So I went to PetSmart and I got some cleaner. And let's just say it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work at all. And I put it on the curb the same day and put it on Facebook Marketplace for free. And somebody else picked it up and it was no longer my problem. I wish I could do that with inventory that I have ruined. But unfortunately, I don't think anybody wants a ruined pair of leather boots. So maybe someone can pick those up at Goodwill and fix them in a way that I couldn't. But all in all, I couldn't get the stain off these shoes and the more complex materials you start buying in these shoes, anything that's like a really quality product, they're going to be using quality materials. Yeah, no shit. Well, when those materials get ruined, as they do because you're walking around on the ground and anything can be on the ground, it gets harder and harder to clean off. So just keep that in mind. The next thing I wanna talk about are brushes. Some people buy sneakers and shoes in bulk and your hands get tired after working with these shoes. And what some people do, I've never done it, I've yet to do it, is they will get a power drill and replace the drill bit with like a scrub brush, like a dish scrub brush you would use for dishes and they will just go to town on the sides of these sneakers which is really great if you're trying to clean these shoes in volume uh, if you are a shoe selling only business highly recommend doing this it is going to become really easy for you if you work smarter not harder because after cleaning two pairs of shoes, just two pairs of shoes, you really start to see how long um, shoe cleaning can take you. I have also used 
wax for like leather shoes, like leather Timberland loafer shoes before. I don't do a lot of shoe cleaning in general. I mainly just use grandma's sneaker cleaner and because I try to pick up sneakers and shoes and fast selling items so I don't have to keep them for a long time. I also pick up shoes that need next to no cleaning. Those pair of Hoka shoes, I was able to pick those up for around two to five dollars. So I have some faith in them that they will sell for a good price. I'm hoping to get like 30, 35 out of them, maybe 20 minimum, but I think that's a good flip for me. Hoka shoes always do really, really well. So that's why I spent the time cleaning them. And hey, it only took me about, I would say under 10 minutes to really clean them. And it was annoying, but they've been sitting and I just really wanted to get them out of my death pile and just kind of get my money back so that way I can purchase more inventory in the future. So I like to keep shoe cleaning to a minimum. I hate cleaning shoes more than anything. I feel like I can be doing anything else in my time would be better well spent doing the other thing than cleaning shoes. But that doesn't mean that I don't like picking up shoes because I like photographing shoes. I really do. I love shoes and hats. And I'm going to give you guys tips on how I photograph shoes and how you can make your shoe photography just a little easier on yourself. So in general... In my photography station, I do have a permanent white background. It's just um, paper. It's a white paper background. And when it's time to photograph shoes, I have two whiteboards, like science fair whiteboards from the grocery store. And I think I spent about maybe two to five dollars on each board absolutely nothing. And I have like a small fold out TV dinner tray. And I put the tray right in front of the white background. And I put one of the poster boards on the little table. And there's two sides to the poster board, of course. And one of my poster boards is dirtier than the other, because I also use the other one for just little small general things that I can't really hang up like hats or belts or something small like that. So the dirtier one I do use for shoes. It doesn't really matter how clean your shoes are. It will always scuff up these little boards, but it's really okay. I just want like a white solid backdrop. That way I can run it through photo room and get that like nice infinite white clean background but in general I just go ahead and use these boards and so when I start my photography I start by having general little piles all together so I will photograph all my sneakers and then all my heels and then all my whatever whatever kind of shoes I'm gonna have next just so I can make it a little bit easier on myself so some shoes are gonna be like deflated looking and so to combat that I have tissue paper like um it's just straight paper like 
the kind of paper you would use for moving, just wrapping things up in a moving box. I was able to get a whole free roll from a garage sale. They just didn't need it anymore. So I have a big roll and I use this roll of paper for packing and shipping shoes as well as crumpling it up into little balls to kind of form inside the shoe. I'll put the ball of paper in the shoe and I'll kind of form it to the shoe so it kind of looks like a foot is in the shoe and it just has a good form and I can get my photos and I do not let this paper show within the photos. I want to let that be known. I don't want anyone to know the paper is there. I think it really looks tacky in the photos. So I just use it when the shoes are facing the camera and not away from it. So you can't look within the shoe and see the paper balls. For men's dress shoes, I like to use shoe trees. I actually have one pair of shoe trees that I also picked up from an estate sale. I bought a ton of shoes from this estate sale and one of the shoes happened to have a pair of shoe trees within them and that's where I picked them up. So they're about a, a men's, I would say 10, 10 to 12, but anything smaller than that, they don't really work that well. There are different sizes of shoe trees and you don't need them all. You really don't. Um, I'm sure that there's one shoe tree out there that's like adjustable for all sizes, but the one I have was free. So that's the one I use. And if the shoe tree don't fit, then I put the little paper balls within it and it looks fine. And if you are into selling heels or sandals, anything with like straps, like it's really strappy, they make inserts for that. On Amazon, you can go ahead and pick up these little plastic inserts to put within your heels just so they're standing up a little bit and your hands not in the photo holding them up. But I think the main takeaway from this is dedicating one whiteboard to your shoes because it will scuff up this whiteboard no matter what. So just be okay with it being scuffed up just a little bit and really try and batch your items. Even if it is an item other than shoes, clothing, um, whatever, make sure you're batching it with like items because it is really annoying to have to switch gears every time you photograph something different. And it's better to just photograph all these items that share a common similarity. They're all sneakers, they're all heels, they're all dress shoes, stuff like that. So you can kind of get into a rhythm with yourself. For the actual photography, I do kind of like a 45 degree angle of the shoes so you can see the sides and then I do a straight on and then I like to turn them to the side so you can see like the um, the inner part of the shoe. I like to lay those side by side right on top of each other. One on the top, one on the bottom and then I like to turn them around, get the bottoms of the shoes 
so everyone can know they're in good condition and do have more life left in them. And then I go within the shoe and I take a photo of the shoe size and any information within the shoe that is integral to the listing. Some shoes are a size 10 regular. They're a 10 wide. They're a 10 narrow. And that really depends on what you have. And that is really important to put within your listing. They're not just a 10. They're a 10 wide. They're a 10 narrow. Something like that. Really include that within your listing and description just so people can know and get like a more accurate description of how these shoes are going to fit. And that way you don't get an INAD, which is an item not described, or a return, or maybe, you know, a bad review. We don't want that. We do not want bad reviews on any of our platforms. So go ahead. It's a 10 wide. It's a 10 narrow. And only one time did somebody ask me, to measure the actual like sole of the shoe um that was weird usually people do not ask you to measure that people will actually ask you to measure like the length of a boot i recommend uh if you have heels um measure those heels measure the width make sure you talk about if it's like a block heel or if it's a, a stiletto heel so i do not measure the shoe other than like the heel height or the height of the boot boots especially always want to go ahead and measure those i have a yardstick it's a yellow yardstick if you see any of my listings you will see this yellow yardstick within my listings especially if it's anything that's like super recent you will see this yellow yardstick and i go ahead and include measurements within all my listings on clothing so it's really nice to photograph shoes and not have to really include any measurements at all unless it is like a tall like calf boot or something or if i'm talking about the height of the heel in your photography, this is a great opportunity to really zoom in into any imperfections that are on the shoes that the buyer might not see in the future. So if the logo within the sole is like really worn out or a lot of the time what will happen on sneakers is people will kind of take their shoes off with their other shoe, their other foot, they'll just kind of like slide off the shoes and that can be really damaging to the back of the shoe and make kind of a small hole within the back heel area. So that tends to be a problem with a lot of shoes, a lot of running shoes, especially people who are avid runners um, are really curious about how many miles have been put on the shoes of course if you are a reseller you are buying secondhand anyways and you don't know anything about these shoes other than how you found them and so what I like to tell people is you know hey I'm not sure how many miles have been on these shoes but I can assure you they have a lot of life left within them and I will give them details about the shoe as much as I can 
but if the tread on the shoe is just way too worn out, I'm not gonna sell them anyways. I'm not gonna sell anything that doesn't have at least two years life left in them. Uh, running shoes though, those are a little bit trickier because it really depends on the type of runner you're gonna encounter. Every runner has a different type of running style. They also run a different amount of miles. So they're curious how many miles are left on the shoes. Of course, like you're probably not gonna know that. And like such a weird question, right? But it really all comes back to just first and foremost, when you're at the source, picking up these shoes, try to get the shoes in pristine condition. That way, when you're listing and talking to customers about your item, it's not so painstaking and you can just make that sale really quickly. You don't want questions ever. You, you really want to try and have zero questions because the less questions you have the less customer service you have to do and the more time you have for listing. And that is the ultimate goal in the end is to be able to list those 20 items a day, 30, 40, 50, whatever your listing goal is, you obviously need more time. You want more time to do that. So make shoes a breeze for yourself by not having to really invest a lot of time into cleaning them and just pick them up at the source as is as they're clean as they're in good condition because if they're not you will be kicking yourself later on so to kind of wrap it all up make sure you're picking up shoes in next to new condition great condition uh, get yourself a little bottle of super glue if you do decide to get into shoes and perhaps some of grandma's sneaker cleaner. There are more sneaker cleaners available on the market. This That's just the one that I personally use. And um, try not to get into those crazy exotic materials like suede and leather and nubuck unless you are willing to take a real risk because that does not always turn out how you think it is and hey, more power to you if you can do those kinds of um, reworking of the shoes, what have you. But uh, personally, I can't, like, I, I'm just barely making it with grandma's sneaker cleaner. Like, do not ask me about your leather shoes because I truly do not know. And honestly, like, I don't even want to pick up leather shoes anymore. Like, really, truly, I don't. I've just had so many problems with them. And I've had problems with shoes in general. Just getting home and, like, processing everything I got from the thrift store, like, a couple days later. And it's past the time of me being able to return it. So I kind of just have to re-donate them or throw them away or something if they're in really bad condition. But I've gotten home and like the soles, like the bottom tread of it just completely falls off or they're just too gross to sell. I don't know, like something didn't catch my eye within the store. It's happened to me before 
And I don't want that to happen to you guys at all, especially when you're shopping at secondhand stores, because returning stuff to Goodwill and Plato's Closet and all these other places is a real pain in the ass. And sometimes you cannot return your items. And if you're somebody who wants to return things, um, make sure that you can return things because you might not be able to return them always. Um, I know Salvation Army, you can't return things. Um, Goodwill, you can return, but they give you your money back on a Goodwill gift card. So you have to turn around and go shop at Goodwill again, which is good and bad at the same time. Plato's Closet, they will give you a return, but it's like a really long process. I had to like sign a receipt like two times to get my return. It was so weird, but it takes a long time and it's annoying and you have to waste gas to go back to the store and yeah, it's just not worth it. One last little tip I wanted to say real quick is uh, if you are a regular clothing seller, you sell primarily clothes and you want to move into the shoe market because shoes honestly can be purchased for really dirt cheap prices and you can make some really good flips on them, but um, they're not clothes. Let me just say that. If you have a solid inventory system right now for your clothes, shoes are not clothes and they are a bitch to store. So you better have a storage system figured out. Um, my storage system is always going to be a bins kind of system. I enjoy the bin system. I do not like having things on racks because I think it's open and exposed to the air and the elements and moss and all that not into that so I keep everything in bins and for the really precious delicate stuff I put them in um poly mailer bags and that even goes with shoes I have a brand new pair of these Nike basketball shoes and they're from the Cosmic Unity collection and they're in like pristine, pristine condition, like straight out of the box. Like I am like 99.999% sure nobody even tried them on before. That's how good in condition they are. And each one of those shoes, like that one pair um, is in a poly mailer box because I keep all my shoes within these really big bins. I usually use an 18 gallon bin so I can stack them. If you head on over to my Instagram, there's a photo of me like giving a thumbs up with all my bins in the background. Those are 18 gallon bins, but I do have these huge bins. I don't even know how big they are, but that's where I store my shoes in. And I have about two or three of them where I just, I just straight keep all my shoes in there. There's no system whatsoever. I just call them shoe bin. Like they're just shoe bins. And, um... They're difficult to store. They're not clothes. You can't fold them up and put them away. It's it's not pretty. It's not nice. Um, one method people do for storing shoes is getting the USPS free boxes from the post office and kind of making a pseudo shelf with the boxes. 
um, because they have a shoebox size box. And so they essentially stack all these boxes on and make like a huge wall and put the shoes individually in them. But hey, um, I'm not a primarily shoe seller. Like, yeah, I have a couple shoes I sell, but um, that's a little extreme and takes up a lot of space and can get very overwhelming if you are working in a small space like your house probably you're probably working in your house and that's just not ideal so really think about shoe storage and how you're gonna store how you're gonna store why couldn't I say that how you're gonna store your shoe inventory that's all I have for you guys today. I think I'm going to start recording these podcasts in the morning because it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm super tired, gonna be honest with you. I probably sound more tired, but um, yeah, I'm going to start doing these in the morning when I have some coffee because I feel like coffee really gives me a personality. It gives me a huge energy burst. I like to record these podcasts usually like midday around three or four o'clock because that's when I usually have my second pick me up of like diet coke or another coffee or something um but right now we're just running on absolutely nothing um so I'm gonna go to bed and if you guys want to send me a dm still taking dms of those crazy nasty gnarly depop dms sometimes i get some crazy messages okay so last week on mercari some some random lady messaged me she's like i like this that's all she said and i'm like okay like i don't know what to say to that so of course like i didn't say anything because like what am i supposed to say she's just like i like this like okay like what do you want from me? And then the next message was like on a different item. And she was like, um, give me a discount. I want that one. And I want this one too. And I need you to give me a discount. And I was like, um, unfortunately I don't do discounts here on Mercari, but if you head on over to my eBay, you get 10% off All items in my store on eBay are like constantly 10% off. I'm constantly running a 10% coupon. I also send offers like crazy on uh, eBay. So if anyone likes anything at some point, I will send you an offer for like, I don't even know, like $5 off or something. It's a pretty steep discount. Um, And she was like, thanks. That's all she said. She wasn't like oh no thanks or nothing she was like thanks and then she asked me to like give her even more of a discount I was like no like I like I didn't say no but um I nicely reiterated I was like once again you know I'm sorry I can't do um any crazy discounts on Mercari but I am available on eBay at up and out thrift there you go and I offered that to her <laughs> and she, I didn't get a response back. I was like, okay, but just like, but like that was just a weird random message. I've never really gotten one that's mean. I've definitely had people who were like trying to mess with me and would like send me 
offers that were like $20 on a $100 item. Just dumb shit like that. But um, nothing too crazy so far. But I love reading um, Depop drama on Instagram. They always have like crazy fucking DMs. But yeah, some of your crazy DMs, I would love to read them on the podcast. I haven't gotten any yet, but I would like to have a little segment within the podcast that is y'all's crazy DMs. All right. See you guys on the next one. Have a great day. Bye.